Internet Explorer is a podcast with adult language and adult themes, such as when you're so upset about the Rotten Tomatoes reviews having a bad score for Suicide Squad, that when your mom walks into the room with a plate of chicken nuggets for you, you scream at her and you toss the chicken nuggets up in, the, in her face um, because you're an adult. <laughs> That's something that adults and grown people do. Just kidding. A Redditor actually posted about doing that. <laughs> I think there's nothing more adult than loving how cool Jared Leto is. <laughs> he's scary. Jared Leto's scary. He's so edgy. I'm. He's he's a scary guy. <laughs> he uh, Jared Leto is so edgy that he wears heelys with flames on the sides, and he <laughs> Jared Leto wears like those silver ball necklaces that like one guy in everyone's high school class wore, you know, who like oh, yeah. looked like he was sweaty all the time. Like those necklaces. Yep. Definitely sweaty. Oh, speaking of which, I got drunk recently and followed corn on Instagram and forgot about it. And then I woke up the next morning. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And now I just keep following them on Instagram. That's Do they post good stuff? No. Oh, it's awful. Hello and welcome to a uh, very ad hoc and very special episode of BuzzFeed's Internet Explorer. I'm Ryan Broderick. I'm Katie Natopoulos. I feel like every episode is a very special episode because you know what? It's about friendship. You, me, the person listening right now, we're all friends. We're just in it together. Um, we have a great show. We're going to talk about the Olympics and Brazil. We're going to talk about Beyonce and Sia and a weird conspiracy theory about them that you are not going to want to miss. Oh, also also sex offenders. Talking about also, sex offenders and Pokemon. Got to so talk about sex lo- offenders. We, Big show. We got a crazy episode. Yeah, this is like going to be, this is a lot. If I sound funny, once again, I'm going to do my usual apologizing for the way I sound. I'm currently in a hotel room in Sao Paulo, and I'm talking to Katie on what I've been told via Google is something called a landline telephone. I don't, I don't really know what it is, but it's, <laughs> it's like a phone, but it's attached to the wall. You know, Ryan, I have a landline at home. On purpose? Yeah. But, you know, it's cool because I get a lot of really weird um, telemarketers on it. Lately, I've been almost every day I get a call from this. It's a classic scam. Uh, Just a PSA for everyone. Um, People call and they say, we're calling about the Windows computer in your house. And we got an alert that there is a security breach on it. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, no. What do I do? And then they will, like, run a bunch of, like, fancy seeming yet, like, nothing actually is really happening, like, scans of your computer, supposedly. And then they'll be like, "Uh uh-oh, we found all these, like, viruses and trojans. Like, there's a security breach. we got to fix it for you. So they're like, so it's going to cost you $175. Can you get out your credit card? (laughs) Uh, that's a scam, but um, actually, we are now offering a service. Um, if you send us your credit card information over email, we'll scan your computer <laughs> and we won't install anything on it or use your credit card poorly. So definitely not a scam. Uh, send uh, send your send your credit card information to Internet Explorer at BuzzFeed.com and we will scan your computer in a good way, not a bad way. I, I, that's right. You can trust your favorite podcasters with your yeah. credit card information. We definitely won't do anything wrong with it. Katie, I got to ask, um, have you been following the lead up to the Olympics, the world's greatest games? Um, I barely. <laughs> I'm excited for when they actually start. 
When do they start? Yes. I don't even know. Friday. So when this episode airs is the first day of the Olympics. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's it's a uh, it's a uh, mm, how do I put this? It's a uh, kind of been a total disaster. Yeah. So what's <laughs> it been like there? And what are what are you doing? Tell us a little bit about what you're working on down there. So um, basically, uh, I'm in Sao Paulo right now. I'm working with our team down here. I love Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is great. If you're listening, if and you're from Sao Paulo, I love your city. It's fantastic. I'm going to Rio on Thursday, and mainly I'm just gonna I'm just gonna swim around in the water for a while. Okay. Um, no, in in all seriousness, uh, it's not a great time in Rio right now. Uh, there's been all sorts of problems. Basically, uh, the Olympic Village is uh, leaking and has like gas problems, and it caught fire, and the water is full of sewage. So while I've been working here, um, a crazy thing happened. If you've been listening to the show for a while. You probably remember the uh, Avril Lavigne death hoax. Katie, do you remember the Brazilian Avril Lavigne death hoax? Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, the uh, idea was that Avril Lavigne was actually dead and had been replaced. Is that is that what it was? That's the gist of it. Yeah. Avril Lavigne died and was replaced with um, either an actress or some kind of demon that doesn't age. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the possibilities are either like... Vast conspiracy with just an actress or actual supernatural element. <laughs> well, I was going to say that's sort of like the like the meme cycle in Brazil sort of always ends the same way, which is like a meme goes viral and people put it all over the place. And then eventually it becomes like a song. And then eventually people start assuming that the devil is involved. <laughs> um, Fair enough. So. Uh, I tweeted when I tweeted about the Avril Lavigne death hoax last year. It went it went viral because like Brazilians get really excited when gringos like discover Brazilian memes. And while I was here this time, I discovered another Brazilian meme and went viral by accident again for tweeting about it. Um, have you heard about uh, Beyonce's Cachovero? I have. It's the the Beyonce slash Sia conspiracy theory. Yeah, basically. It's pretty simple, you know. It's pretty pretty by the books conspiracy theory. Basically, <laughs> Beyonce in this theory has kidnapped so Sia funny. and is keeping her in a cachoeira, which uh, I've learned is a uniquely Brazilian word that refers to a place in which you keep kidnapped humans or animals. Which, <laughs> um, and Sia has been stuck in Beyonce's cachoeira for at least a year. And she has been forced to continually write songs over and over again for Beyonce. And <laughs> fans of Sia are trying to free her from Beyonce's Cachoeira. <laughs> I love this theory so much. It's so good. When I w- started digging into it, I was contacted by some very aggressive stands. And they're very proud of the fact that they started it. And it's like a thing. It's like such a thing here. They they Basically, people just tweet every day that... You know, they're trying to free Sia from Beyonce's Cachavera. And what was crazy is when I was discovering this, it was last week, which was the same week that the Marina Joyce thing happened. Mm-hmm. Good, good week for uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah. So, well, the, the Brazilians were really excited about the Marina Joyce conspiracy theory um, because it was very similar to the one that they've been talking about for a year involving Sia and Beyonce. Oh, so which one? 
actually happened first? Um, the Sia Beyonce one has been happening in Brazil since at least 2015. Oh, and the wow. Okay, one so this off is like last weekend. I didn't realize that this had been going on. This is like people who believe in like the moon landing being faked. Like this, they've been believing this for years. It's it's kind of hard to explain. It's it's like we last time we talked about Brazilian social media, we brought up the word zurera, which is like this untranslatable word that sort of means like like dark sense of humor that like kind of like taking the piss all of the time sort of thing. And it's sort of tied to that where like Brazilian social media is very ironic and it's very like they won't they they won't like admit that they're being ironic. Like it's it's all like a huge joke sort of thing. Right. And so this conspiracy theory, quote unquote, really like no one actually believes it, but it's been going on for like a year because it's like a really funny joke. And like everyone's always trying to one up the last person to like make it crazier and crazier. Right. And and just to clarify, too, uh, the Save Marina Joyce that you mentioned uh, was this conspiracy theory that a popular YouTube blogger, vlogger, what, had actually been kidnapped and was, like, forced to make videos against her will. Um, right. It, it turns out not to be true, but for a few days, the Internet was kind of going nuts about it. Oh, and my you forgot, like, my favorite detail, which is that in the very beginnings of this conspiracy theory, her very young fans assumed that she'd been kidnapped by ISIS, <laughs> which is like incredible. <laughs> you know, if there's one thing I hate about ISIS, it's when they mess with our American YouTube stars. British. Oh, she's British? Oh, she's fuck. British, yeah. I'm just kidding. Which is like even better. She's a British uh, fashion vlogger. So, you know, ISIS has their um, their league of fashion vloggers from the UK that they're just kidnapping and forcing to make uh, haul videos all day. So give me some give me some examples of how the evidence for this Beyonce Sia conspiracy theory is actually like playing out. Like what makes people think that this is true? Um, I'm glad you asked because it's totally nuts. It all pretty much started in 2015. And it's all based on one line in one Billboard article written about Beyonce's writing camp. Okay. Sia was interviewed about writing songs for Beyonce. I believe this is during the Lemonade phase. Okay. And Sia described a Beyonce writing camp where Beyonce brings in people and she cobbles together like a lot of people's work into one song. And these like very enthusiastic and unhinged uh, Brazilian Sia fans interpreted that to mean that Sia was being held hostage and secretly trying to let people know that Beyonce had kidnapped her. Because Beyonce also has like a weird reputation on Brazilian social media for being like kind of evil. Okay. I mean, I can I can sort of see that. I mean, she's definitely pretty like untouchable a little bit you know like she hasn't done interviews in a long time she seems like completely not like one of us you know in the same way that other stars seem really approachable right she has sort of a reputation as this like you know not a control freak per se but like really you know involved in every aspect of her live shows and her albums and stuff like that there's there's like a really good video I remember seeing like around uh, of like a performance where like she's singing and dancing and th- clearly some lighting cue has been missed. And as she's singing, like she goes, somebody's getting fired. <laughs> like she sings it as if it's like a lyric. <laughs> so I, I, I can understand how like she has this 
vibe of like an evil mastermind. Right. Like when I started tweeting about Beyonce's Cachivara, a Twitter user tweeted at me in English and said, I'm from Brazil and I can tell you that she also killed Aaliyah so that she could engage with Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. No, that's that's getting deep. Going even further, they believed that Sia wears wigs, like her giant weird yeah. wig thing. Mm-hmm. She wears it to hide the bruises that she gets from Beyonce when she like gets hit by Beyonce for not writing well <laughs> enough. I believe it. I'm on board with this conspiracy theory. As a journalist, I don't feel comfortable saying that it's not true because I don't have the proof. So, you know, if you guys <laughs> listening, you know, if you can prove that Sia is n- not... In a Cachavera, like, I'd love to see it. Uh, Sia retweeted my story. So oh, really? <laughs> Help! <laughs> both Sia and Courtney Love have tweeted about Beyonce's Cachavera. So, like, they didn't say it was fake. They just retweeted it. So I'm thinking that, like, maybe they know something that we don't or they want us, you know, maybe they want us to read between the lines, mm. you know? Um, so what have I, what have I missed in the U.S.? Um, is Pokemon Go still a thing? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ryan, I'm glad you asked. Well, so the Pokemon Go craze is still going on. I'll be honest, my excitement for it has slightly waned. I mean, I've kind of stopped playing. Wow. Um, I know. I'm a fair weather gamer girl. What can I say? You are a fake gamer girl, Katie. (laughs) Jesus. Um, but you know who else cannot play? Pokemon Go now. Sex offenders. That's um, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the thing, Ryan. I'm slightly inclined to go agree. So here, Okay, here's... wait. So talk me through this. Talk me through okay. how this even... Like, one, I'm impressed that, like, this conversation is happening this early in the launch of a game that basically allows people to have, like, unlimited access to children in public. But talk me through this, please. So it was just announced Monday of this week... New York State. This only is relevant in New York. It's not nationally. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Governor Cuomo, who's our state governor, um, he basically announced that he had sent a directive to the departments of corrections who deal with sex offenders on parole. Basically, they had to go tell all these paroled sex offenders, you can't use this app. That's, That's a new condition of your parole um, and if you get caught using it, it will be considered a violation of parole. You could go back to jail. This affects about 3,000 people in New York State. Wow. So about 3,000 gamers, their hopes and dreams are dashed. They're basically just adding Pokemon Go to a list of existing things that are already banned under an existing set of laws called e-stop. Here's how part of it, how the Pokemon Go ended up. I don't know, in this weird quagmire. So, Pokemon Go, the game, is not a social network. You can't meet people on the app. You certain, Even though lots of children play it, you're not going to meet children or t- chat with children or talk to children or any adults or anyone for that matter. It's actually, like, weirdly completely unsocial, except that you do go and see people out in the real world. And so the... Basically, two state senators, uh, one from Westchester slash the Bronx and one from Staten Island slash Brooklyn, uh, they sort of put together a report about 
Pokemon Go and sex offenders. And, you know, the, the danger for the, in their minds was that children would be walking around the streets attracted to these pokey stops or poke or pokey gyms or the lures the uh, the very the, the thing in the game that actually like brings players to one place right so you know you actually walk around the world and there's like a physical location like here's a statue in a park and that's where the pokemons are and so it would bring you to those locations and then like a sex offender could hang out there because they would know that children would be coming up to this statue for example um or it just maybe like would bring kids to happen to walk to a landmark that might be right next to a sex offender's home um, and then just, like, sort of hang out there. You know, here's the thing, though. It's, like, in New York City, like, if you've ever looked up... I mean, they were doing this within New York City. If you've ever looked up on one of those websites, like, where are sex offenders in my zip code? Like, there's a lot of sex offenders in your zip code. We're a population-dense place. Like, Manhattan is tiny, and there's a lot of sex offenders per square mile, you know, because people are stacked on top of each other. So part of the report they found when they went around to various places in New York City, and I don't know the details of how this report was compiled. And I frankly have a lot of questions about this. But they determined that Pokemon appeared, the little action characters, in front of level two or three sex offenders' homes 57% of the time. That's... Uh, <laughs> Insane. Pokey stops or gyms were located within a half block of convicted pedophiles' residences 59% of the time. And a Pokemon-related item, either a gym, a stop, or just a little creature, appeared near a high-level sex offender's residence 73% of the time. So, but that's because, like, kind of everywhere is near a sex offender. Right. <laughs> you know? If the issue is that you're within a block or two from a sex offender, like, guess what? That's literally everywhere in Manhattan. You know, like, there's just a lot of sex offenders in a small area. That's just kind of how it works. It's been a while since, like, I looked up or had to, like, do anything with the statistics about this. But if I remember correctly, there is this really bad myth that sex offenders are, like, the creepy guy down the street that you don't know and is, like, you know, preying on your kids in the bushes when... I believe, like statistically, there it's more likely that it's a family friend or it's a it's it's like it's not a stranger. Like the 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 myth of like the creepy guy in the van yeah. is not real. Like it's so that's not it. When those laws came out, those e stop laws that I mentioned, that was one of the big reasons that the New York State Civil Liberties Union uh, opposed these laws. They said, you know, in Part of their opposition was based on sort of legal grounds that this law is way too vague, way too broad, can be used in ways that, you know, are not it's not good law. Um, and then also part of it was that, like, yeah, it's kind of a myth that most child molesters are trying to use Facebook to lure people. It's that's actually like a small percentage of the case. And what you're doing is just overly penalizing everyone because of this, like, incredibly small amount so like can sex offenders like use like tinder or uber or like any other sort of you know what i mean like there's now like this set of apps that sort of directly impact real life like are other apps like pokemon go on this list so that's a great question um i know that the ones that you know at the time it was these laws were put into action it was like it was largely about like facebook and stuff right. and the thing that's like a little weird 
I think personally a little messed up about these laws is these laws, you know, they're obviously meant to protect children from online predators, from people who might be out there trying to use Facebook to to meet underage people or whatever. But these apply not just to people with sort of child-related crimes. It applies to all sex offenders. It's like, don't worry. Like, we're not going to spend any sort of resources, like, working with, like, sex offenders or, like, trying to stop, like, this sort of, like, thing from happening or trying to rehabilitate them anyway. But what we're going to do is we're going to make, like, a bunch of arbitrary bullshit that like will make you feel better about us not doing anything. And I feel like technology is like number one on their list of like kind of performative stop gaps because it's just like novel. So you could be like, Oh, don't worry. We haven't done anything to stop sexual abuse in a systemic way, but we definitely won't let them use Pokemon go because that's in the news right now. You know what I mean? I agree with you there. I mean, I, I, my feeling on this uh, is that this general sort of ban on digital services for people with sex offender crimes, it feels more performative for politicians to pat themselves on the back right. that, look, look, we won't let child molesters on Facebook anymore. We did a good thing than it is to actually look at the realities of, like, how useful is that? There, there's a tension, right, between obviously like, keeping people safe, also people on parole have lots of restrictions about what they can and can't do. And that's part of the deal. They're criminals. Um, But it's also like, okay, well, how much are we penalizing people who have been convicted of a crime from reentering society in a way that, you know, will be meaningful for them? Right. It's like how, uh, you know, like uh, during the, the real huge peak of the U.S. talking about sexual assault on college campuses like one of the things that was always put fo- forward first was alcohol intake among students. It was never, you know, st- doing actual work to stop the culture that was creating this. And the minute you can tie technology to something because technology can be turned on and off so easily and it's so trackable and it's so sort of beyond the scope of a normal person to really like give a shit enough about. So they go like, Oh, like, great. They can't get on Pokemon go. Like my kid's safe. It's like, Oh, great. Like, uh, they're going to restrict alcohol on campuses. So like the thing that I have heard involves alcohol won't happen anymore. It's like, it's, 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 it's essentially just a, a smoke screen. It's, it's like bullshit. And right. Uh, I don't feel bad that sex offenders can't play Pokemon go. It's still full of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so when these no, but in seriousness, I don't feel bad that they can't play it, but it also is sort of dangerous because it makes people go like, "Oh, well, you know, that's all done. Uh, we've we've solved the problem." And it's like, "No, you haven't." Like it, like there has to be a, like a better way to deal with this stuff because, like, Pokemon Go to me, like the first time I booted it up. I was like, oh, like we now live in a post Pokemon Go world. Like this like this technology is, is is not going away. Like Pokemon Go might be a fad, but like what it has done, what the the door that it has opened is not closing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's one of the things that when I when I spoke to someone from the governor's office, that's one of the things that they said to me. They said, you know, this is Pokemon Go is using emerging technology that wasn't envisioned when we created these laws. And it's true. It is a different game. It's an augmented reality game that uses a real life map and actual map interfaces um, and points of interest. That's totally different than something than a traditional social network. So it is something different. And the fact that they're immediately scared of it is, well, I don't know. I guess scared of it isn't the right word. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I find that worrying that, like, there isn't a, a more nuanced thing happening to it. Because, like, like uh, so I, I got, <laughs> I got like, a very drunken debate about the Internet of Things. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with the concept? Yes. The Internet of Things means, like, it means, like, if you have, like, a connected dishwasher that you can turn on your dishwasher app from your phone so that it washes the dishes by the time you get home. Stuff like that. Like, physical yeah. items that have some sort of internet interface. And I was drunkenly arguing that Pokemon Go is the first mainstream Internet of Things device, if that makes sense. <laughs> I, you'd have to be real drunk to make this argument. <laughs> I still stand by it. I stand by it that, like, right, what we're right. – well, like, like – all it really does is connect phones to like a virtual map of things and it doesn't really do anything else than just like mean that like you and someone else who's using like the same app on your phone like end up bumping into each other by accident trying to catch the same thing. All right. All right. I hear it. Point is, Ryan, I think we can both agree. Sex offenders are bad. Pokemon is good. Fuck the government. Oh, yes. I agree with all of those things. I <laughs> think sex offenders, bad news. Don't want to don't don't get me started on sex offenders. No. Think Pokémon is pretty damn cool and fuck the government. <laughs> I I mean, or I guess, you know, the government sometimes is okay, but uh as as concerned citizens, I think that we have a uh reason to be compelled to you know, people who even sex offenders um, or any person who is a criminal or has a criminal conviction, they have a right to have our compassion and our consideration for reasonable uh, doling out of punishment and, you know, restrictions on their parole. Um, I think this oversteps that definition of something reasonable. It's it's gone a little too far. And as citizens, we should also be aware of things that are maybe sort of the government slippery sloping a little bit on uh, on new technologies. I'd buy that. So next week, we've got a pretty big interview. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a very exciting episode for next week. So, you know, don't forget about us. Yeah. Um. And it's going to be a big last episode before we go on a hiatus for a couple months. That's right. Um, I'm going on leave for a while. Uh, Ryan has a lot of work to do, and uh, like, emo- like, um, like on a personal level, like I feel like I just have like a lot of growth. He has a lot of personal before. growth to do. He just needs some time yeah. to concentrate on himself. Um, yeah, we're going to go on hiatus for a little while, and uh, don't worry, we'll be back eventually. Keep, keep hanging out in the Slack room. We'll be in there a bunch. Tweeted us. Oh, also, before we end this week's episode, I need to do a shout out. It's like very important. Okay. So, a woman on Twitter named Charlotte Gilbride DM'd me 
saying that her friend Isabella Shields is having a birthday and that she loves Internet Explorer and she wanted a birthday shout out. And uh, I feel like we got to do it. Like no one no one's ever asked for a birthday shout out on Internet Explorer before. I feel very honored. Wow. Okay. So yeah, th- uh, this is this is my shout out. I'm doing it right now. Happy birthday, uh, Isabel Shields. Um, uh, th- thank your friend for DMing me, and uh, thank you for then DMing me after she DM me and apologizing that you two were drunk when you DM me. So I <laughs> I appreciate that. That's my aesthetic too. I'm down. I'm cool. Happy birthday. <laughs> wow. Um. Also, shout out. Last week we uh we asked if anyone was listening on a iPod to this podcast and uh a bunch of people actually tweeted us and said that they actually were so shout out to anyone listening on an ipod if anyone's listening on a zoom let us know don't don't do that don't listen to us on a zoom don't you dare listen to us on a zoom i don't support zooms or windows phones i'm not a fan yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool I guess. if anyone's listening on a jitterbug let us know what the fuck is a jitterbug <laughs> it's like it's like a cell phone for old people with like huge <laughs> keys. They were like advertising on TV. <laughs> um, thanks everyone for listening. As always, you can email us, internetexplorer at buzzfeed.com. You can tweet at us at iExplorer. We love hearing from you. Um, especially if you are listening on a Zoom. Please tell us if you're listening on a Zoom. As always, thanks to Julia Furlan, our producer. Uh, if she was a Olympic sport, she would be Zika Javelin. If Meg Kramer was an Olympic sport, she would be Zika Shotput. And if Eleanor Kagan was an Olympic sport, she would be Zika Judo. And thanks to CDM Studios, where we recorded this today, and also Ryan's Hotel Room, where he recorded it. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. This podcast is edgy and adult, like Jared Leto selling misspelled bootleg (laughs) Slipknot t-shirts outside of your local arena.